following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. Then we'll open up God's Word to 1 Thessalonians is where we're at today. Good morning. My name is Jordan, and I am excited that you are here today. 1 Thessalonians is a little letter uh, on the right-hand side of your Bibles. Um, if you don't have a Bible, uh, there's uh, apps for that. <laughs> so the ESV uh, version of the Bible is what we preach out of. If you want, you can utilize uh, the Pew Bibles um, and uh, that is actually the NIV version of the Bible, so it might read a little bit differently uh, than what we're, we're reading out of today, but we'll try to be clear with that too as well. Um, I, I debated on, on saying this, but this is not my Bible. Um, I actually, pray for me, I actually sent out my Bible to be rebound. Um, and after 15 years, it's just kind of like worn out, the cover's worn out or whatever. I did not realize how attached I was to my Bible until this morning. I got up and I, I was like, this isn't mine. This is... So I feel kind of like a fraud this morning, all right? Um, so if I get lost in the text, that's why. Because I know where everything's at in my Bible. And those of you who have had like your own Bible, right? You're like, oh, it's on the right-hand side on the top, right? It's not where things are supposed to be. So some things are out of order this morning, and that's okay. Um, it's good for me to be humbled in that, in that regard. So, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, let's backtrack a second for those of you who might not have been with us these past couple of weeks. Let's talk about uh, 1 Thessalonians and what it's all about. In the very first verse of chapter 1, we see our three authors. Our main author is going to be the Apostle Paul, one who persecuted the church and now populates it. He comes to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior on this road to Damascus. Silvanius, also known as Silas, one of his companions, and then you have Timothy, who is a person being mentored by Paul. Those are our three authors, three men who write to the church of the Thessalonians, Thessalonian believers, who are gathered um, because of their relationship with God, uh, the Father in the Lord Jesus Christ. So just like we are gathered here today, Paul wrote a letter to a church that he planted, to the Thessalonians, to encourage them as they were being persecuted. He has a very deep affection for this church. Now, um, this church is experiencing hardships so Paul says, grace and peace to you. And it's really part of the reason why we pass the peace here at Community Gospel. We believe because we carry the peace of Christ, we communicate that peace of Christ to people that we come in contact with. Peace be with you and also with you. See, Paul does it. It's biblical. Jesus does it. Uh, we realize all throughout the scriptures, grace comes to us. Grace, grace, God's grace that is greater than all of our sins, which gives us a peace that passes all understanding. In the first chapter, Paul gives thanks to the Thessalonians for their faith and the example of their faith. 
He says three words in the first chapter that are really interesting for us. He says, you have faith, you trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. You came to a relationship with God through faith and trust in Christ. You cannot come to God on your own works. You must come through faith in Christ. You place your decision to trust and to follow Christ alone. That's why we sing about Jesus and what he did, his work upon the cross. Now, they transferred their love of themselves because of the faith that they professed into the love of Christ. If you are a believer in Jesus, you should transfer your love for the things of this world into the things of Christ. And then our hope becomes secure. So faith, love, and hope. He's thankful for them. He loves them. Chapter 2, he talks about the ministry that he had with them, how he modeled for them what it looks like to follow Jesus. And then in chapter 2, we're at verse 17. Big numbers are the chapters. Smaller numbers are the verses. Paul says, I long to see you again. I want to see you again. So they're separated And our whole goal this morning is to see how faith continues to flourish even in times of separation. How do we keep the faith when we're separated? So uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17. Since then, we, and if you want to circle that word we, that means Paul, Silas, and Timothy were torn away from you. That has a connotation of violence. They weren't um, being, being uh, separated from the brothers and sisters in Christ in a way that they wanted. It was in a way that persecution had taken place. We were separated. We were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time in person, but not in heart. We endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face because We wanted to come to you. I wanted to come to you, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. Verse 19, for what is our hope or our joy or our crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? Is it not you, the church? For you are our glory and our joy. These words of Paul are words of love. He loves the church. If we were reading the book of 1 and 2 Corinthians, we might have a little bit different story. I think he loves them, but he doesn't like them a whole lot. Here he loves and he likes the Thessalonians. Paul shifts his focus from his previous visit to a more recent development in the church. Paul will address this in regards to why he hasn't returned to the Thessalonian church. Now, for some of you that don't know this, Paul is a church planner. He goes around, he plants churches, and then he plants churches. He wants to come back and revisit those churches that he has planted. And some people, critics, had had risen up and raised doubts and voiced criticism regarding why Paul was absent. So if the pastor's gone, here's what's going on. The people are saying, your pastor deserted you. Obviously, he doesn't love you. And if he doesn't love you, then Jesus doesn't love you either. Now, the interesting thing here is, regardless of where you come from, some of us have experienced the same church hurt in our life like that. We've had that situation happen and pop up. Now, let's look at two things here. Paul says, you should persevere, verse 17 through 18, even though we're separated. 
Here we see just how much Paul loves the Thessalonian believers. He addresses them, if you want to circle that word, brothers. He has said that multiple times in the text. That's a family term. That's a term of endearment. He calls them brothers in Christ. You are my family. How could somebody who used to persecute the church call the church brothers and sisters in Christ only by the power of the Holy Spirit? Only by God's grace could Paul call them brothers. It's as if Paul was with his beloved family and then he was orphaned from that family, torn apart from them. He had to leave them as spiritual infants. This church is small. It's, it's, it's immature. It, it doesn't really know all the doctrinal things that it's supposed to know. And Paul had to leave them and he's sad about it. But regardless, he reminds the Thessalonians that they were not out of sight or out of mind. He says, myself, And Timothy and Silas, we tried to get back to you many times to take care of you. But it says, now look at this text. It says, Satan hindered us. When in doubt, blame the devil. (laughs) John Calvin says it like this. He said, whenever the ungodly cause us trouble, they are fighting under the banner of Satan and are his instruments for harassing us. So what is happening and transpiring here is Paul's saying, we want to be together, we want to be close, we want to have this love for one another, in-person love for one another, but Satan hinders it, all of his ways, his opposition to God is of the devil and his demons. Now, as a pastor, I understand this because I think you understand this too. On Sunday morning, how much of a fight is it to get to church, Right? I mean, it's like Satan didn't work Monday through Saturday, and then Sunday pops in, and my kids just went from zero to hero in regards to blocking us from going to church, right? If that's not even worse, then all of a sudden we get to church, and now it just escalates even further. We get out of the van or the car or the SUV or whatever. We meet the greeters, and we're like, hey, how's it going? How you doing? I'm good. (laughs) So tell the greeters next week, you know, the devil's been at work this morning. I'm so glad we're here today. (laughs) Well, God permits this to happen. He is not responsible for it. Notice Paul does not blame the Lord. Now, here's Paul does something really interesting. Look at verse 18. He says, because we wanted to come to you. And then there's a hyphen there. It says, I, Paul, he inserts his own name, which he rarely does. And the reason that he does that is he's emphasizing how he passionately feels about this being a work of the devil, that when God's people desire to gather, the devil wants us to separate. And he says, these things shouldn't be so. He's like, sometimes we try to do things for the Lord and we get blocked repeatedly. And even though you get blocked repeatedly, you have to keep going. The same is true for us in our evangelistic and edification efforts at our work and our job place and at our homes and all of those things. Some of you have given up and you're like, Satan wins. And if Paul were here today, he'd say, you can't give up. You have to keep going. You have to persevere in times of distress. Verse 19, all the way through 20, he gives a second thing. He says, you need to persevere with a steadfast faith. Here we see Paul's peak affection For the Thessalonian believers, we're encouraged by the heartfelt words of personal love from Paul. Now, the rhetorical question Paul asks 
emphasizes the intensity of his feelings. Essentially, in verse 19 through 20, he's saying, what could possibly bring me greater joy and fulfillment at the judgment seat of Christ? And the answer, the church. He says, it is you, the Thessalonian believers, you are everything to me because you model well what steadfast faith looks like. When you come to the church, when you see all the believers, we should be models and godly models of what it looks like to be steadfast. There should be conversations that happen in the foyer, conversations that happen even in the sanctuary where we're saying, hey, this week was rough, but guess what? God continued to move and work in my life. For those of us who are parents, we know the joy of watching our children grow up and mature. And for Paul, this is kind of what he's saying. He's saying, listen, the church is growing up. They're doing the right things. They're a source of joy because they are seeking to be sanctified, set apart for the gospel. And Paul wanted to see this transformation firsthand. He wanted to see it. He wanted a front row seat to it. And he wanted to see all these people manifest the glory of God. We should long for this as well. We should long to see people come to know Jesus through faith. And then we should also want to see them mature in the Lord. I think that's why, as a pastor, it's so sad when some people aren't here on Sunday mornings. Because I know what happened in your week, and you know what happened in people's week, and you want to encourage them, and all of a sudden you look across you know, the pew or the aisle or whatever, and you say, oh, they're not here. And you're like, how can I love that person if I never see that person? And so here, Paul's like, I want to be with you face to face. I want you to mature in the Lord, and I want to be a part of it. I want to be a first uh, I want to be a first front row seat to what's going on. Paul says, when we come to the end of this life and stand in the presence of Jesus at his second coming, you, the Thessalonian believers, will be our ultimate source of glory and joy. That's how much we cherish you. You know what, church? That's how much I love you. Like, I think, I, I pray that this happens. When I die, you know, and I see Jesus, and he's like, Jordan, what was your crowning accomplishment? I'll be like, well, Bethany, that took a lot of work, you know. Uh, that was a couple years. <laughs> I said, I had to convince her to marry me, and she did. And he'd be like, yeah, all right, good. You know, that's grace, God's grace. <laughs> and I'd be like, my kids, you know, they're not bad either. You know, they're pretty good. You know, like, I, I love them. They were, they were good. They loved you. And, and we pointed them. We tried to impress scripture upon them. He'd be like, yep, what else? I would pray that all of you are right behind me. I'd be like, have you met all the saints at Community Gospel Church? Have you seen these people? I love these people. We were just talking about this morning. I said, when we're separated from you, I can think of no better place I want to be on Sunday morning than here in God's church. And we're not perfect, right? We got a bunch of crazy stuff that goes on here. But to gather is truly a place where we see the manifestation of the love of God in the saints. Chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, Knowing all these things, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone, and we sent Timothy. <laughs> Poor Timothy. <laughs> hey, Timothy, you go. He's our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ. We sent him to establish and exhort you in your faith. We sent him that no one would be moved by the afflictions, the persecutions and problems that are happening in your life. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this, for persecutions and problems. So the second thing we see in regards to keeping faith is encouragement. Now, I don't know if you noticed it, but I noticed it, even though this isn't really my Bible. Um, in verse 17, 
uh, all the way through. You're probably thinking, like, whose Bible is it? I, I legitimately stole it from Pastor John's office. So um, my apologies. <laughs> I'll give it back. Um, there is a break uh, in chapter 2, verse eight or 16 and 17, but it looks like the end of chapter 2 merges with chapter 3. That happens sometimes with English from the Greek. Greek is in the New Testament, and we see that sometimes the breaks don't really make sense in regards to how we uh, organize our verses. So that's what happens here. It doesn't always line up. But the thought continues from 17 of chapter 2 into chapter 3. And Paul gives more concern for Thessalonians by encouraging them two ways. Notice that Paul sends a person. He encourages them through a person. Sometimes, I get this, sometimes I think you guys want Pastor Jordan. Sometimes you guys want Pastor John. Sometimes you guys are like, send Jessica, send somebody else. Sometimes we send somebody else to you for a reason. Because we realize that sometimes the person who needs to minister the most might not be the person who is in charge. There might be somebody in the congregation who can encourage the person in a way that people in places of authority cannot. And that's what Paul's doing here. Notice, Paul travels, if you want to track with the verse uh, 1 and 2 in chapter 3. He travels from Berea to Athens. It's the capital of Greece. Berea is an ancient city. It's located in the Macedonia, approximately 70 miles southwest of Thessalonica. Now, if you want to write in your margins of your Bible, which I highly recommend, uh, Acts 17, verse 10 through 15, really partners with what's going on in 1 Thessalonians 3, 1 through 2. Now, the Berean Jews were known for their diligence and a noble response to Paul's preaching, just like the Thessalonians. So what's happening here is there's multiple congregations that are living out their faith. And once in Athens, Timothy is sent to strengthen or to make them firm and solid in the faith. He is also sent to encourage or provide what they needed to stay in the fight when they were opposed. In chapter 2, if you go back, verse 12, it says, We exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Timothy gets a huge endorsement from Paul. Paul's like, this is Timothy. This guy's good. This guy loves Jesus. This guy's our brother. He is in equal standing in the Lord's work with Paul and Silas. Timothy is hardworking. He is passionate and he is humble and he is bent on proclaiming the good news of the gospel to you. This is good news. Much of the apostles' ministry was devoted to grounding new converts in the faith. Now notice, it's not just Paul's responsibility to bring people to Jesus. It's not just Silas's responsibility to bring people to Jesus. It's not just Timothy's responsible, responsibility to bring people to Jesus. It's the entire church's responsibility to fulfill the great call in Matthew chapter 28. It takes multiple voices to get a message across. Saturday we had men's breakfast. And in men's breakfast we had a guy named Ben who was here. And Ben says stuff that John and I have been saying for a long time. And a couple of people are like, man, he was so good. <laughs> and I just thought to myself, really? I've been telling you that for years. And I was like, praise the Lord. <laughs> Biblical encouragement 
is like having multiple phone chargers all over the place. Older believers need to charge younger believers, and younger believers need to charge older believers. And this is what's happening here. This is the motivation to stay in the fight. He says, listen, encouragement comes in people. Be encouraging people. Now, number, uh, number two is in verse three. He says, also be encouraged when you are afflicted. This is a hard one. Another purpose of Timothy's visit was that the Thessalonian believers wouldn't lose their spiritual balance and stability because of the trials that they were experiencing. Timothy's an encourager. He comes to the people, he says, hey, listen, I know you're dealing with trials and tribulations, but I want to encourage you. The word shaken there can be translated unsettled. The Thessalonians, because they're new believers, were like um, a boat drifting out in the ocean. They were unsure of the destination. They were rocked by uncertainty. Do you know believers like that in your life? Do you know people in your life who just constantly are like, oh, I don't know, the sky is falling, the world is ending, and all of that's true. But we have to encourage one another. Paul reminds them that trials are not necessarily a sign of God's disfavor. They're part of every believer's life. Let me encourage you, church, right now. The trials and tribulations that you face, they may or may not be because of you and your sin. But they may or may not be because of God's disfavor. They're just a part of our life. When we set ourselves apart for the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's going to get hard. But it's all going to be worth it. When trouble comes, we as believers often doubt if we are at where God wants us to be. We often think we've done something wrong and God must be mad at us. It happens to the mature and the immature. Look at this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Paul tells Timothy, it'll be on the screen, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted. Everyone. Everyone will be persecuted. Storms come, and they come to make us able to stand firm in our faith, not blow us away. Being sanctified through trials is like a diamond forged under immense pressure. The challenges we face shape and refine us. So Paul sends Timothy, he says, tell those people that the trials that you're experiencing because of the gospel that you have received, because you're proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, because you're building up other believers, because you're encouraging people, you're people of love, tell them that it's going to be tough. But God is with us. We are sanctified through his trials. I love what Paul writes to the uh, Roman church um, in Romans chapter 5, verse 3. He says, we rejoice in our sufferings. We are, we are excited about that, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Paul says, we get excited. We get excited when people reject the gospel. <laughs> Isn't that weird? We get excited when people uh, reject our encouragement. We get excited when people reject our love because we realize that we did our part and we're going to let God do the rest. So the trials come. Hang on. Be encouraged. But here's the deal. Just like Timothy in the text, I'm going to ask you a question. It's going to be a hard one. Are you an encouraging person or not an encouraging person? Thessalonians, all of them were known for being encouraging. You see the glass is half empty or half full? Or you see the glass is refillable. Or you see the glass isn't even a glass. It's just given to us by God and everything that we do with the contents inside are for his glory. See, 
Paul tells the Thessalonian church, you encourage Timothy, Timothy encourages you, and you'll grow in your faith. You will find joy in your suffering. You will recognize that God is at work in endurance, and your character is being developed, and hope is being cultivated. Community gospel, are we encouraging people? I mean, are we excited to go to our workplaces because they're our mission fields? Are we excited to work on our relationships because they're opportunities where we harvest the gospel? I'm just asking questions. Verse 4, chapter 3. He says, for when we were with you, we kept telling you these things. I love it. That's, That's Pastor Paul right there. I told you this over and over and over again. Did you not listen to me? We kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction. Just that it has come to pass, and just as you know, for this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. That is my heart and my concern for our church. When I hear about some things that are going on in your life, when I hear about some things that are happening, some problems that are going on, we are concerned to learn for fear that somehow the tempter has tempted you and that our labor would be in vain. Adam and Eve loved God, but still were tempted by the devil. And here we see that Paul is saying, you have to prevail. Paul reminds the Thessalonians that when he was with them, he kept telling them, suffer affliction because of your faith. Sure enough, comes to pass. Just as he said, as they knew. And what Paul's doing is he's like calming down the church, right? He's like, hey, Calm down, because you need to realize that these uh, problems, this situation has to be persevered through. How? Chapter 3, verse 5, first part, he says, you persevere by having faith. He goes back to verse 2. When we sent Timothy, our brother, God's co-worker in the gospel, we sent him to establish and exhort you in the faith. I sent Timothy to you. He's genuinely concerned for your spiritual warfare. Church, some people in this house are genuinely concerned about you. They're trying to speak into your life, and you're pushing them away. Be careful. Be careful with that. Paul wasn't concerned that they'd lose their salvation. He's not concerned about that. Go back to chapter 1, verse 4. He says, for we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you. You're believers in Christ. He's concerned... Uh, primarily with the fact that they're not trusting God in all their circumstances of life. Paul is deeply concerned for the Thessalonians' spiritual welfare. He's like a shepherd who's watching over the flock. He's like, you got to stay on the right path because doubt and temptation will come. But when doubt and temptation comes, where do you go? Do you go to God's word or do you go to other sources? And there's so many other sources in Thessalonica. There were so many people in Thessalonica that were eager to help the Thessalonians with their problems, just like it is in our world. There are multiple people out there who are willing to help you with your problems by just coaxing you into a situation where you feel good. God's not concerned about you feeling good. As a matter of fact, God is always up front with everything that he does. And he says, this is going to hurt a little bit. This, 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 this might not be pleasant, but it's going to be worth it. And so here, just as the shepherd protects and guides the sheep, encouragement comes often through times and trials that call us to persevere. Now, Paul says, 
in that trial, in that perseverance, in that prevailing, know who really is the enemy. Look at verse 5, the second part of verse 5. He says, it is not God's fault. It is the tempter who comes and tempts us. Paul is concerned that his labor in planting this church might have been in vain. He says, a tempter. It's a reference to Satan. Now, remember who Paul is, right? Paul is the Pharisee of Pharisees. Paul is the smartest person on planet Earth at this time. He has the Old Testament memorized like the back of his hand. He can recall verses like an Awana kid that got all the crowns. He is the real hero. And he could take it from Genesis chapter 1 all the way to here in the text. And he could say, I know how the tempter works. I know how the tempter worked in Genesis chapter 3. I know how the tempter worked with Jesus the Messiah in the Galilean wilderness. I know how the tempter has come. And I don't want the tempter to tempt you. Paul believed that Satan was using the Thessalonians' persecution to entice them away from what they knew to be God's will. And that was to persevere during trials. And Paul is so concerned that Satan might snatch them away. He'd sown a seed. He's like a gardener. He's like, I planted this seed. I watched that seed take root. And I want to make sure that it bears fruit. So what? So we're called to be vigilant in guarding the spiritual growth of ourselves and others. Church, this is really hard to say, but we have responsibility towards one another. Our relationship with God is not just vertical, it's horizontal. And in our horizontal relationships, we are called to love people well. Now, unfortunately, our society says love is a hug, right? Oh, you're doing that? That's okay. Hopefully, God will show you the real way. And sometimes God is screaming at us from heaven, being like, tell that person to stop. You know, it's like if I were to look outside, there's a lot of my neighbors here, by the way. Um, but if I were to look outside at my neighbors, right, and I would say my literal neighbors, the people that are actually across the street from me, and I'd be like, hey, your house is on fire. How do you feel about fire? You want to have a theological conversation about the implications of fire on your house today? There's no way. Call the fire department, get water, put it out. There are some people in your life, church, I'm just trying to, to, to love you, and I'm saying this as, as loving as I possibly can. There are some people in your life whose house is on fire, and you're called to manifest fruit by telling them, hey, let's put this thing out. And it's not, it's, it, we don't look at that and be like, well, how do you feel about me telling you these things? God is not concerned about feelings. God is concerned about manifesting fruit. And here he says, if we want to manifest fruit, we have to encourage and help people prevail as they are experiencing difficulty in encouragement because we love them. That's love. Love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. And we make the choice of seeking the other person's best. Because that's what God did for us on the cross, right? And if God chose our best, even though it was difficult, we have to do the same things. So we love and we encourage and we prevail and we see the fruit start to manifest. And here's what Paul says. He says, listen, it will be so good when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be, right? And we sang it this morning. I was thinking about it even today. 
I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Paul's like, I love that we're together. I love that there's these little things that happen in our gatherings where we looked at it. We're like, man, that was kind of frustrating. But where, there's ten- where there is tension, there is growth. And in that growth, Paul says, we see the Spirit of God manifested right in front of our eyes. I hope that's a source of encouragement. I hope that's a source of hope in whatever season you find yourself in. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, um, love here in Paul's heart for the Thessalonians. I just have the same heart for the church here today. Love these brothers uh, brothers and sisters in Christ Uh, The opportunity to pastor Community Gospel Church is just, um, it's such a blessing, Lord. And and the the goal and the hope and desire is that when we all get to heaven, we would rejoice in the relationship that we have with one another. And we would talk about the times where maybe there was some tension or maybe there was some hardship or maybe there was a season where we found ourselves just struggling. And you'll whisper in our ear, I was right there the whole time. So whatever season we find ourselves in, Lord, maybe there's some people here who just are having a great season. Things are going really well for them. I pray, Lord, that they would just rejoice. I pray that they would see that you love them. And and I pray that we would encourage them. And I pray, God, that we would tell them to just just keep going. That you're you're doing great. God's doing a great work in your life. I pray the same thing for people who find themselves in a season of frustration and and trial and maybe even persecution because of the gospel. People who are finding themselves just frustrated with life. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to encourage these people to to say, keep going. I know it's hard, but we got to praise the Lord in every single season. When times are good and when times are tough. God, I just pray that you would work in us and through us that we would be known for people who just continue to love one another as we love you. And that people who are far from you would come to know you and those that know you would be encouraged by it. God, anything else that you need to impress on our heart, we pray that you would do that today. That you would help us to not just be hearers of this word, but we would be doers as well. We would live out this truth. Take it past the pews on Sunday and into the context of our homes, of our workplaces, and our relationships, and all the places that we populate. May you be glorified, Lord, in all we think, say, and do. All God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.